Hello, welcome back to the Changeover Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, along with my co-host, Ben. Uh, We're so happy you joined us here again for the ninth edition of this podcast. That's right, we are at nine, which means we're one podcast away from double digits, and uh, then we'll be official, right? Is that how that works? That's what I think. Okay. We we are almost (laughs) lucky number 10. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky number 10. And with that, we are almost at 150 plays, which is awesome. So thank you, everyone who is listening right now and who everyone who continues to listen. Um, We hope with this podcast, we're going to hit 150. So um, again, please, if you enjoy this at all, please, you know, give us five stars or tell your friends, family about the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, so for today's podcast, I'll give you a quick run rundown of the docket. We have some quick corrections and some trivia for you all here, and then we'll get into the meat of it all with the Monte Carlo bracket discussion. Uh, we both made brackets. We talked about the first round on the last podcast, um, but we'll go through our entire bracket here with you all and kind of break down um, some of the highlight matches there and talk about the final Um, in that one. And then we'll talk a little bit about Barcelona and Belgrade, which just started uh, today and kind of our, our picks and our, the outlook for that one. And then of course, as always, we'll wrap it up with the moldy take of the week. So with that, uh, Ben, how are you doing today? Ready to get into it? Yes. Guten Abend aus Nuremberg. I am joining you from the late evening hours and I'm quite happy to be here. Great to see our statistics establishing uh, what we'd like to call incremental growth in the industry, uh, <laughs> one step at a time, making progress. So baby steps, uh, baby steps, exactly. What about Bob? So, yeah, good to be with you, Evan. All right, very good. So let's just jump into it. Um, couple quick corrections here on my side i forget which podcast this was i know it wasn't the last one but a couple podcasts ago ben had a trivia fact or a trivia question for me in which he needed a spanish player i i can't even remember it but I, my sentiment was that um i had Rebre- i was asking if Robredo was still playing at the time and it was like we're talking like 2010 turns out Robredo is still actively on the atp tour so which i could not which is yeah. mind-boggling <laughs> so i found this all out today when i was looking up some other things and he's 38 which is younger than i thought he was i thought he was into his 40s already but he's He's still up there with the uh, Lopez's and the Federer's of the tennis world, and he's still playing. He's playing challengers out there. So he, um, yeah, he, in fact, is not retired. Also, a small fun fact is that there is, and I kid you not, a TommyRibredo.com. And on the tennis site that I was on, I was like, oh, he has his own website. So I clicked it, (laughs) and it is a poker encyclopedia (laughs) <laughs> some kind of <laughs> some kind of large <laughs> like gambling poker encyclopedia website that's just playing called... becomes profitable. <laughs> yeah. What have we here? Tommy Robredo. TommyRobredo.com has nothing to do with the tennis player unless he's got a side hustle. Pittsburgh's in, um, Rivers Casino. In... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Why is this called TommyRobredo.com? <laughs> I don't know. Must be the name of the casino. I went to the About Us page, 
because um, I was like, well, maybe he founded it. Maybe this is just like his thing that he does. But no, it's just some <laughs> random website with probably the worst domain name ever. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that is an excellent fun fact. I would have <laughs> never expected that one. It's full of like Getty stock images of a casino. Yeah. <laughs> run by some guy who is a wizard when it comes to online poker games. He's got quite a lot of content on there, so props to him. It, it didn't look bad. Not Man, a sponsor, but uh, yeah, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> yeah, so owner of TommyRobredo.com, if you want a little extra promotion, you just let us know. <laughs> We've got a wide reach. I mean, from my side, I also have a correction to make. I noticed that in, I think, last week's podcast, um, there's a player, Munar, who is out of the uh, Rafa Nadal Academy, has been for like maybe five years now or something. Um, he makes some deep runs in these tournaments. He's often involved. Um, anyways, I said his name was Jaime Munar, and I believe it is <laughs> Haume Munar, which is actually quite different. And if you really want to butcher it, we're talking about like, Jaume or you know yeah. the difference between Jaume and Jamie. So <laughs> his name is Haume, not Jaime. Uh, Jaime. <laughs> relative relative difference. But I didn't even notice this until I was listening back to it again, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's got a U and not an I. So <laughs> sorry about that, Haume. Best of luck to you in the future. <laughs> that's pretty good. I didn't. I did not uh, catch that one. So um, I don't know, but. You know, I'm the king of butchering names here on the Change Over podcast. So, if that's your only correction, not not too bad. Well, I did not find Helmaymoonar.com, but I'm sure that's out there. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what that website would be, but <laughs> don't search it. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't search. <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's just jump into the trivia here. Uh, I, I, why, why do you have something like an unrelated chicken <laughs> joke? <laughs> I don't know. So oh, is there a sound effect for it or something? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard this joke and I was going to tell it to you, and I thought, oh, that might be funny on the podcast. <laughs> well, why don't you tell it? All right. Bear in mind, this has nothing to do with tennis or anything tennis related. So there's this chicken. Gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness this is so normally we do these podcasts and they're due to the time difference between america and germany uh we do them saturday morning for me saturday afternoon for ben but we're doing this one in the afternoon for me and like late night for ben so i've actually been able to enjoy a um adult beverage here on this podcast so if uh <laughs> don't mention your seltzer brand yeah i won't i won't they're they definitely <laughs> won't sponsor us so <laughs> no worries there <laughs> but hint, um, hint, it's rafa and the doll's favorite <laughs> drink <laughs> yeah Anyways. yeah rafa apparently uh, sponsors uh seltzers now so we're gonna have to try out the amstel but uh, anyways if this podcast seems just a touch more off the rails from my side of the aisle that would be why. <laughs> so, anyway, so a chicken walked into the public library. He goes up to the teller. Teller's like, hi, can I help you with anything today? He, sa- he says, <laughs> 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 So 
so the librarian hands the the chicken a book. He he takes the book out and he leaves. The next day, the chicken comes back. He he returns his book. He goes up to the teller again, and he goes buck buck. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> the uh, so the teller then he gives him two books. He takes the books similar to lat you know the other day, and he he leaves. And then then the third day he comes back. He returns those two books and then he says, buck, buck, buck. <laughs> and uh, Teller's like, okay. And so Teller gives him three books and uh, he leaves. But at this point, the librarian is like, okay, something's going on here. So I got I to gotta figure out what this bird is up to. So she follows him out of the library all the way back to a farm. You know, the chicken goes up to the farm goes around the house to the back where there's a pond. And on the pond on a little lily pad, there's a frog. She sees the chicken take the book up to the frog, or the three books, drops them in front of him, and he just shakes his head and goes, read it, read it, read it. <laughs> Put him... That that's that's the whole joke. So. All right, that was the punchline. That it. was the, <laughs> you have to ask. My favorite part was the book book. I know. <laughs> Mine too. That's why I like the joke is because it has like two punchlines. I mean, it's very creative. I'd love to know where you found that one. Well, I actually heard it on another podcast. Um, <laughs> then I brought it on ours another hey. podcast that is has nothing to do with tennis so it actually like fit the bill of what the podcast was about um but i brought it onto ours just to lighten the mood a little bit <laughs> it has truly enriched the changeover environment i thought i was gonna a, a gloss i was gonna gloss right over that but you had to bring it up so well it was in the agenda <laughs> unrelated, oh, chicken, unrelated joke. chicken joke i'm not just gonna <laughs> skip over that one <laughs> begs the question Excellent. 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 <laughs> okay. So now that we've gotten our giggles out of the way, let's get into uh, trivia. So I, you know, you had trivia for me last week, so I was trying to look up trivia for you this week, and I couldn't really find anything good for Barcelona or Belgrade tournaments, which would be relevant. And to the best of my knowledge, Andy Roddick has never played at Barcelona or Belgrade. But I did want to keep it Andy Roddick themed just for you and for our Andy Roddick diehard listeners out there. So You mean us? <laughs> That's us. That's us. <laughs> We're slowly becoming an Andy Roddick podcast. <laughs> it's just going to be... Andy, please join our podcast. We'll be called, like, I don't know, the Babylon Ace. Anyway, <laughs> stupid. I don't know. Potato shoes. Potato shoes. <laughs> the American standard. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that one's more, more brutal. Uh, okay, Bring so... It on. Keeping on with Andy Roddick-related themes, I was looking at some of his stats today, and I, I kind of got the idea to look up his record against, quote-unquote, the Big Four, which would be Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and Andy Murray, as most people probably know. 
So out of these four, can you rank from best record to worst um, who he has as, you know, who he has the best head to head against versus who he has the worst? Is his best record against Djokovic? His best record is against Djokovic. I'm a little surprised you got that one, but uh, it I is. I think it's because it's it's kind of low, right? They didn't actually play that much. It is got the him lowest. Before his good days. Well, now let me go into this because it is the lowest of the four um, in terms of matches played. They only played nine times together, but he actually has a winning record over Djokovic. He has five to four I knew that. head-to-head over Djokovic, and he was the underdog in terms of seeding in every one of those matches. So he didn't play Djokovic in like the 2003 to 2007 era when Djokovic was a little more up and coming and he was more established. They all played in like 2008 to 2011 and he won five out of four or five out of nine of those matches. So he's got a lot of legitimate wins in there. Kind of impressive. That was most to me. That's the most impressive thing. Okay, so Djokovic number one. This uh, is the second one, Andy Murray. The second one is not Andy Murray. Okay, then it's got to be Rafa. It is Rafa. Yes. Okay. He has played Rafa ten times, and he has beaten him um, three times, lost seven. So he has a thirty percent win rate over Rafael Nadal. Okay. Then it's got to be Murray. Then it is Murray, yeah. He's 3-8 and eight in the head-to-head with Murray. Oh, wow. And then... And, and then Roger. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, obviously Roger. Um, <laughs> I think I figured he was last because I knew yeah. he had a bad head-to-head because they played so many times and he lost so many times. Yeah, yeah. So for this question, I was... I figured you would get Roger, as most people would, um, and having the worst. But I was kind of curious what you thought about the other three. So, yeah, he has played him 24 times. He's played him 10 more times than anybody else on the tour, which would be Leighton Hewitt at 14. And he has won three of those matches and lost 21. Three of them in a Wimbledon final as well. Yeah, he lost three in a Wimbledon final, especially that 09 brutal cried myself to sleep that night uh, <laughs> yeah, it was horrible <laughs> if there was i don't know if i've ever mentioned this on the podcast but um if there was ever a match where i could change you know the winner and the loser that would probably be it even though i would consider myself a bigger rafa fan at this point i would still take andy roddick over um federer in the 09 final just to give him one wimbledon just to give him that wimbledon and he was that close like he he deserved that one. The other three were blowouts, but man, he was that, that one. He had his he chances right, right there. Yeah, yeah he had. I, I'm trying to remember back to nine, but he had this one overhead that he blew, and it was like a break point or some like really pivotal point in the fourth set. And uh, Federer went on to win that one, that set, I think. And then obviously the fifth set went to like twelve, thirteen. Right, um, it was extra piece. games. So, yeah. yeah, it was. It's insane. Yeah, I think it's in a fourth set tiebreak or something. That, but there's one. I think it's in that same match. Maybe it's in the second set tiebreak or something where he. I don't know. He. It's it. In any case, he has multiple chances, and they are mm-hmm. all in a lost in a heartbreaking fashion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it kind of shows that Feder was um, the bigger opponent mentally. But I think in terms of the game that Andy brought, 
I think he was he was right up there, if not just a touch better than Roger. He just didn't win the points he needed, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, I do. Love, that's a great trivia question, though, because I knew I knew his record against Federer was the worst because he has that was sort of like a kryptonite thing. But the Djokovic one is really interesting because he had a lot of legitimate wins there, and the Rafa one could surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a losing record, right? But he still got a couple wins off. Yeah. Him. So yeah, between. Nadal and Murray. I mean, he he was in there. Yeah, one of those um, wins against Djokovic came after a retirement in the Australian Open, which I think we mentioned earlier in the podcast on like right. one of the episodes. But um, he was he was already yeah, up in two the Australian sets Open in that right. one, and it's you know at the Australian Open, so that yeah, was that's the controversial heat retirement. There. Yeah, yeah, and that that's was the after one that spawned Djokovic. Many comments. Yeah, Djokovic had already won a title there. He knows he plays well there, so I don't know. That was a weird one. Well, we won't get into it now, but uh, we'll take it. Yeah. Um, also, he has played Robbie Ginepri ten times, and he's <laughs> won nine <laughs> out of those ten. Ginepri got a win. Man, Ginepri got one win. <laughs> Man, we had an offline conversation about Robbie Ginepri, so that's the only reason I brought it up. It was sitting staring at me in the face, so I thought I'd thought I'd bring that up. That's a name you haven't heard in years. In years. For you American tennis fans out there. Okay, so that takes us out of trivia. Let's go ahead and get right into the Monte Carlo bracket breakdown. In this one, we had Ben, myself, and his lovely wife, Sam, in the challenge. Uh, I ended up taking this one because I had bet on Sitsipas, which turned out to be a very good bet um, as he ended up winning the tournament. I had him ultimately going out to Nadal. You can um, say that again. But <laughs> just him making it at the final was huge. Um, but then Sam comes in second and then <laughs> unfortunately uh, the other half of the changeover podcast <clears throat> then came in third. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so looking at our brackets here, I guess we'll just do a rundown of some of the highlights of some of our wins and losses, um, and we could talk about maybe the Djokovic-Nadal situation, and then we'll, we'll touch on the final here. So in my bracket, let me pull it up really quick. Um, as I mentioned before, Sitsipas was a huge one for me because I actually had him in the final. I know Sitsipas is a, a pretty good clay court player. I would say he's an all-court player, but um, he has done well in clay in the past. He's made the Madrid final before. Uh, he made the um, Hamburg final last year. So I know he's got some good clay games, so that's why I picked him going through. Uh, I also I had Dan Evans over Hurtcatch, which he was one of the surprises of the tournament. Uh, you know, obviously I didn't have him beating Djokovic, but... Uh, I did have him going a couple rounds, and that helped me out big time. Uh, one of the one of the really bad picks I made was Schwartzman um, on the bottom half of the bracket. In uh, I know, and we'll get back around to this maybe around the moldy take, but I had mentioned that Rude I thought was an extremely good clay court player, and I thought maybe he would win the French Open sometime in his career. And I had him bowing out to <laughs> Schwartzman in this one because I just I put so much weight behind Schwartzman. 
I had him going through Cranial Busta. I had him going through Fognini. I don't, I, surely he would have lost to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I still had him going all the way to, uh, to the, uh, the semifinals in this. So not a great pick by me. I really wish I would have uh, gone with Root on that one, but uh, I didn't. Fognini I had going as far as he made it. Not a not a terrible bracket. I, um, when we were making the bracket before, one more point I'll touch on is that we had Monfi. I had Monfi going pretty far. Uh, he ended up pulling out and getting replaced by Poprin, who lost in the second round. Uh, not a bad replacement as far as players go but i wish monfi would have been in this tournament so how did your bracket fare um ben? yeah definitely so mine unfortunately for me was much more of a low light compilation so i mean i'm a big dan evans fan and i bet against him on Lajevic. horrible mistake obviously given the success that dan evans experienced here so Sorry well, about that one, man. Lajevic was, he made the final last year, didn't he? Or no, I no, think no. So. Not two in years this one. Ago. Exactly. But he had a really good run two years ago on clay. Yes. Like he had a three or four tournament streak where he had a really, really great results. So I don't know. I was kind of hoping he would somehow rekindle that flame, but mm-hmm. uh, it didn't happen. And. Dan Evans' backhand slice ended up being really effective, so we'll get into that. <laughs> I'm all for that, and it's a, it's a beautiful shot. Um, Go fan! I also bet against him. I couldn't even tell you why, honestly. I think just because he's been away for a bit, he had lost in some early rounds in the past tournaments. He had a great result, which is good to see. I normally I would mm-hmm. also pick him. I just thought he wasn't doing well. Um, Zverev, I, I, in some ways, could have left him with Fuchsovic and it would have had no impact, but I did get one win there, which wasn't bad. The biggest killer for me in this whole tournament was um, Tsitsipas beating Karatsev mm-hmm. because Karatsev was the guy that I picked to advance much further. Um, I don't feel that crazy about that one because I do honestly feel that had Karatsev somehow come through that match against Stefanos that he would have managed the remaining draw contenders he had up until yeah. you know, the the semis maybe um but i massively um misrepresented my take for Tsitsipas. so especially coming out of acapulco these other tournaments i think i mistook his his let's say chokes in the later rounds of those tournaments for some first round nerves and he'd proved to be very solid throughout the whole tournament so i will definitely have some things to learn from that um, Davidovich Fakina, I also like him, sometimes pick him, wouldn't have bet that he made it as far as he did. Um, then looking further before we talk about Djokovic and Rafa, um, my Carino Busta pick was still okay. He had a really close loss to Rude, um, which is much more representative of how good Rude is playing. I would say Carino Busta had match points in that one, lost him and Rude came through, which is super impressive. The Fognini pick ended up being decent. It almost made it. It was honestly, it was honestly the best pick I had. If there's the only player I have in here <laughs> winning three matches is Fognini. So <laughs> that one turned out okay. Other than that, I have a whole quarter of this tournament, which I, I basically called incorrectly. So feeling good about that. But um, 
Yeah, then jumping straight into this this topic with Djokovic and Rafa. Um, so we've got Djokovic going out to Dan Evans in a highly unexpected loss, but which was yeah, really interesting to to follow. Um, my take on that one is, I I do think it, it was quite obvious is watching the match that Djokovic probably wasn't at his best, but he also didn't seem to want to be at his best or it was a very strange scenario but dan evans was extremely aware of that and he took advantage of it so i think the synopsis from djokovic in saying that his game was dismantled was pretty accurate and um dan evans did a really good job on a weird weather day of giving him zero pace to work with and we know that djokovic is so good at redirecting pace and reusing his opponent's pace so i think that was a really high tennis IQ from Dan Evans. And in terms of the Rafa loss, um, my take on this one, uh, having watched a good chunk of it, was I, I really felt like Rafa's first serve percentage and general performance in the first set of that match were way below par. I mean, you had him on court kind of freaking out, doing things that Rafa has done, I don't know, maybe three times on a televised match. So really like kind of historic things that you'd never see from my view. Um, but in the middle of the second set, he didn't get to his full Rafa potential level, but he picked it up a little bit and it was enough that he outlasted Rublev. Um, and in the third set, he still was not playing at top notch, but he was, he was there. I felt um, and so for Rublev to win that one 6-2 in the third was super impressive. So I felt like it was a high-quality match in the second half. And Rafa, in that case, um, got outplayed when he said as much as well. But that was a that was a really good match. So how did you see these, these you know, big three losses here, Evan, with Joker and Rafa bowing out? What's your take on it? Yeah, I think I have a similar take. Um as you, especially on the Joker loss here. he I didn't get to watch this whole match, but I watched a little bit of it. Uh, like you said, Dan Evans really kind of slowed down the pace, didn't give Djokovic a lot to work with. Um, this is one of the slowest courts, um, maybe even in the clay court swing. So he really, I mean, with all the slicing that Dan, Ev- Dan Evans brought to a match Djokovic didn't have a lot of to work with and it kind of threw him off I think to your point um but then I also wonder how much Djokovic really was motivated by this match it almost seemed like he didn't have that much fight to get back in it I don't know why maybe he's just using it as preparations for the French where we know he's going to you know give it 110 percent uh because it's a slam but I don't mean to take anything away from Evans in that match. Still a very good win from him, a very good run, period, because he went on to win the next match as well, obviously. So um, could be, you know, I think it's probably a little bit of a lot of things, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of him being off since the Australian Open, maybe a little bit of rust. Um, I, As far as I know, he's 100% healthy, but he was dealing with his side injury whatever from the australian open beforehand so maybe he's a little sore i don't i don't really know but um not a not a very inspired performance by him uh by any means and then as far as the rafa loss goes it it was a in some ways similar in some ways different than the djokovic match we saw rafa come out and play a very uncharacteristic clay court match 
by his standards. Um, he had two very, very easy rounds playing a qualifier um, and then playing Dimitrov, who honestly didn't even look like he was ever going to win that match like, yeah, against anybody, not just Rafa, but against anybody. Um, but then you're playing the best clay court player ever. And I don't think Rafa even had to try. So um, he didn't have a lot of, I don't know, momentum, even though he had easy matches. I don't think he had a lot of momentum going in there. And he just kind of had an off first set. He did pick up his level in the second set. Um Ended up squeezing that one out. I think he was still broken, though, a couple of times in that second set. He he was able to, you know, fight back to win it, but then he kept getting broken again in that, in that third set. And he just, he never found a rhythm. And we know with Rafa, he's very structural. He has to get into a rhythm if he's going to play well. And he just, he never found it. And all credit to Rublev in this sense, because he never gave him an opportunity. Rublev came out of the gate, super hot hitting playing the game that he wanted to play he went to nadal's backhand you know i don't know what the statistic is but he went to nadal's backhand like um a good percentage more uh than anybody else in this tournament and as luck would have it nadal's backhand was not firing or he put enough pressure on it that it was not firing and it was a good game plan uh never as i said never gave him that momentum and um it just he he did what he needed to do to win that match, and he executed well. And uh, all props to Rublev. I did not think he was going to win that match um, going into it, and then after the after Nadal took the second, you think, oh, okay, here comes Nadal, he's going to win. But then Rublev took the third, six to two, pretty pretty convincingly. Um, you know, and that was a late second. I think he had him like five to one and then Nadal held and then he ended up winning it. So it really wasn't even a close third set. So um, good match by Rublev, but um, I'll go ahead and just piggyback into the final here. I think that match took a lot out of him because he goes on to beat Rude in the next round in straight sets. He has um, a really good head-to-head against Rude. He... Just has a game that he doesn't let Rude bully him around. Rude has a you know huge topspin forehand, which translates well on the clay, as as um, as you see with people like Nadal. Um, but Rublev doesn't allow him to dictate the play at all. So you know you kind of expect Rublev under any conditions to win that one, and he does. Uh, but then he meets up with Sitsipas in the final, and he kind of. I don't know. I didn't get to watch this one, but from what I've heard, he kind of gassed out in that one. Uh, Sitsipas won it straight sets, no tiebreakers. Um, the returning game by Sitsipas was serving well, but also Rublev was not returning well. Um, from what I could tell, Sitsipas just, he played a phenomenal game. He His backhand was firing on all cylinders, and when Sitsipas' backhand is playing that well, then I think he will beat anybody on the tour, including the likes of Djokovic. Um, so it's tough. It's tough um, when you're Rublev in that situation. Um, but yeah, we see Sitsipas get his first 1,000 title. Um, without going on a rant here, I want to kick it back over to you, Ben. What do you think about this final in Rublev and Sitsipas? Yeah, so I had a similar takeaway for this match. Um, and I mean, in general... 
I felt like in the final with Tsitsipas and Rublev, there were many high quality points um, and Rublev ended up being the victim of, you know, some forced errors, some close points and uh, a service game that wasn't entirely there in the end. Um, I think in general, Tsitsipas played in a, at an extremely high level. So, I mean, the for me, the real game changer compared to where he's been sort of bowing out in the later stages of recent tournaments is that he had no focus lapses to be seen. Yeah, So he was totally locked in the whole time, and he looked pretty comfortable even. He didn't even show signs of nerves. Um, in the first set, you got the feeling that he was playing already assuming he was going to win, which was pretty impressive. Um, whereas Rublev... When he came on to the court and started the match, um, yeah, I mean, he he had already had such a monumental tournament and the things he had achieved, you got a little bit the feeling that he had invested most of his match capital, you could say, in getting to that point. Um, and he was a little bit out of sorts in this final itself. Yeah. So we've talked about this before, how Rublev is not, he's kind of like a... a one, he's kind of like an all-or-nothing player, so he's either zero or a hundred, and he was sort of really on and off throughout the match, and he he struggled to find the rhythm, I think. Um, and for Tsitsipas, I thought the big keys for him in watching that match is that he returned with a lot of depth, um, and he also managed to maintain depth throughout rallies in the entire match. So I mean. It, Rublev is generally known for being the player that can really play shots within a foot or less of the baseline very consistently. And in this match, almost every single point, Tsitsipas did the exact same thing and just did it repeatedly. Even if it was seven, eight, ten shots within a rally, he managed to do this. And a short ball then ended up being one that was, I don't know, like slightly uh, in between the service line and baseline. And Tsitsipas then would jump all over this. He had a lot of inside out forehands, I noticed, which were extremely effective. Um, And this just seemed to work really well for him, pretty much giving Rublev no angles and sort of beating him at his own game. Um, The other big key, I thought, is that Tsitsipas served really well, which is not always the case for him in pressure moments. In that match, he had a really high first serve percentage, put a lot of pressure on Rublev. And again, I think the main key for him is that he was super focused. And so a big takeaway for me looking at future brackets is definitely not to count out Tsitsipas when he (laughs) gives no signs of not having mental lapses or maybe if there is some kind of, you know, chip on his shoulder kind of thing in place. It seems to motivate him quite well in whatever case. And I thought it was really cool to see him do well. I'm a big Tsitsipas fan. I just thought he was not in, in good sorts coming into this tournament so totally read that one wrong and it was cool to see him get the win his first 1000 as well um and i would say you know looking back at the hamburg uh, final last year where rublev got that one especially on clay i think this is a really exciting budding rivalry you could say between the two of these guys because mm-hmm. they uh, already if we start looking towards barcelona for example or other tournaments they will uh, potentially meet again so this will come up over and over i think and they have a really uh good rivalry i think yeah yeah for sure they have um they've met each other what seven times now and they're four to three now they were three to three in the head-to-head so they know each other's game very well and they both play a style that um they can they can counter well you know it's not very one-sided so not like a rublev medvedev rivalry per se (laughs) so yeah maybe he will break that one someday (laughs) 
someday. <laughs> if um, if Roddick can get three wins over Federer, then I believe that Rublev can get at least one win over Medvedev. <laughs> this tournament so. has a weird feel to it with Medvedev being completely out, you know, because yeah. it takes that element yeah, away. And there was already so much speculation about how good Medvedev would or would not be on the clay. And now we won't even see him in the upcoming clay tournaments, probably until the French, honestly. Um, I mean, we'll get him in maybe yeah. Rome or in the upcoming ones, but by then it's it's only one tournament before. So yeah, you would expect a, he yeah. he's got he's going to need some time to get acclimated to the clay because he's not known for his clay court uh, game. Exactly, so. he's already heavily criticized on it. So yeah, it's just a strange scenario. It's it's kind of like a clay season lost for him. Uh, yeah. And we have no idea how he could have performed either. You know, there's no, there's right. no way to tell. So it's very strange. Yeah. He, um, he did all right in a clay court. It was either Monte Carlo or Madrid mm-hmm. in 2019, but, um, but he's never even won a match at Roland Garros. So everybody kind of <laughs> knows that stat and, uh, just not good, but Rublev is a good clay court player. So that could be, uh, a thing that sets them apart here. Um, but anyways, yeah, good breakdown of Tsitsipas, Rublev. Um, you echoed some points that I, I had forgot to make about court positioning. Tsitsipas, he took it away from him, hitting nice and deep because Rublev does like to step up and, um, you know, hit those winners off of you. So Yeah, he did that yeah. so well. He hit he that really inside well. out forehand multiple times. Yeah. It was crazy. And when he can go up, um, up the line with his backhand, psh, forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, it opens uh, up the whole court. The That's whole a very court. good point. Yeah. Man, he's so good. I hope he can figure out that that mental aspect of his game. Um, he's kind of an odd cat, right? Because he can have a tournament like this where he doesn't drop an entire set. He doesn't have one single break point in the final. In a 1,000, you'd think he'd have some kind of nerves in there, but he doesn't. Um, but then he has other tournaments where you can definitely tell that nerves get to him a little bit. So if he can kind of, I don't know, dial that in and figure that out, we're looking at um, future number one player, future Grand Slam winner, obviously, in sets of pass. So, yeah. 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 Really, really. Either way, I would have liked to see either one of them win it. I'm really glad it actually came down to those two in the final. So I wish it would have been more of a game. But, uh, you know, take what you can get. We're getting there. Definitely. And I don't think it'll be the last one. So that's no. really, that's exciting. It will not be. Okay. So we are getting up there in time. Let's go ahead and move on to Barcelona and Belgrade. Uh, we got some 500s coming up. Is Belgrade 500? I think it, uh, I think it's a 250. 250. Okay. We got uh, 500 in Barcelona and a 250 in Belgrade coming up. Um, so I, uh, ben has picks on both of them. I forgot to make picks on Belgrade, unfortunately, so he will have to take the wheel on that one. But um, we'll kind of go through some of our <laughs> likes and dislikes here in Barcelona really quick um, before we get you out of here. So I don't know if, Ben, you want to start because I actually still have to pull up my Barcelona bracket. Sure, no problem. So in Barcelona, this bracket I find a really a lot of fun because it's kind of like a mini Monte Carlo from 2021. And I'm trying to take my lessons here. So I'm looking at <laughs> Gauvin, Garin, um, Evan, Tsitsipas. These are guys that I'm definitely not going to count out again in this case. Um, other notable mentions for me is that Shapovalov is back on here. 
And we got potential for mm-hmm. the classic Canadian showdown with Jose Aliasim, um, who I'm also hopeful will take that brutal loss to Garin, where he had definite chances, went into a rain delay, and then got pummeled, um, where Tony Nadal, again, will speak some magic and <laughs> show him how to turn those failure points into uh, winning strategies. Let's see. Um, and also... Alcaraz is in this tournament and has a pretty interesting draw. So if we get into the specific highlights of my picks, um, just from the top down, I picked Rafa to win this tournament. I still can't walk in here and tell me that Garin, Goffin, or Evans would beat him on the way. Maybe they could. I don't know. Rublev's on the other side, so I'm thinking he'll at least make the final. Um I have Goffin going pretty far through, though. Dan Evans also. But a big one that I have is Alcaraz taking out Tiafo, which is not going to be an easy win on clay. Tiafo also trains hard on clay. But I don't know. I think Alcaraz is really good. And I think he might catch him off guard because he's played the last couple tournaments. Tiafo is going to be coming over. Could be tricky. And then Schwartzman is in this round. He's the four seed. <laughs> I picked Alcaraz to beat Schwartzman because I think if he shows up with his crazy power and his underdog potential, I don't know. But I think Schwartzman, just based on his recent performance, is ripe for an upset there. I did pick Dan Evans to make it through, though. I'm already kind of questioning that pick because I don't know if this whole clay court run for him in Monte Carlo was a one-time deal. He'd have to take out Mute and Alcaraz before losing to Rafa for me. Um, I've got Carreño Busta taking out Fognini and Gasquet, I think is realistic. Then there's a really good bottom half of the draw with Yannick Sinner and Bautista Gut meeting in the earlier rounds. I have Sinner coming through there, but Rublev taking him out. Rublev also taking out Casper um, Ruud on the way. So we'll see if that comes to fruition or not, but I did give Casper Ruud the win over Ramos Vignolas. And then, yeah, the Shapovalov, Oje Aliasim. This assumes that Oje Aliasim beats Musetti, and Musetti has to beat Lopez. So... I don't know. I mean, Ojali seem could lose to Musetti, and Chapovalov I think will beat Shardy. Then you got Tsitsipas down here, and my big kick, the last thing for me in Barcelona. This time, I have Rublev beating Tsitsipas. Like <laughs> I picked it last time, I picked it again, and it's probably a terrible pick, but um, <laughs> I don't know because he's coming off of a really strong win against him. Maybe Rublev will show up different in um in a quarter though, or in a semifinal. I mean, sorry compared to um, what he just had there. He would also have to beat Sinner coming through it. I don't know. It's not It's not the most confident <laughs> pick, but it's already locked in. So what do you think for Barcelona, Evan? <laughs> okay. Um, not bad picks. Definitely more conservative than mine. I had a little bit of fun with this bracket. More conservative. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You picked Casper Ruud to win. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't pick Casper Ruud. <laughs> I made this bracket after he dropped out, so I didn't I didn't get Casper Oh, yeah, that's right. That it's not even one. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, um, I do, let's get this out of the way. I have Nadal winning it. Uh, same reason you do. I, this is his tournament. He's won this 11 times. Um, he loves it here. Very similar conditions to Roland Garros. Uh, so that's why we see him have a lot of success here. And, um, I don't know. I just, the court's freaking named after him. Yeah. The court's named after him. Rafael Nadal. Can't go wrong. <laughs> you can't go wrong. But um, even if he doesn't win it, you're 
you're still stupid not to pick him. So of course I picked Rafa in that one. Or it's still named after. Him. <laughs> uh, I will echo your sentiments on Alcaraz. I actually bet a lot on him. I have him Ooh. getting past TFO like you do. Schwartzman, I've lost all faith. You can put him <laughs> one notch above Tommy Paul. Um, it's that bad. <laughs> it's that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. Tommy Paul's in the bucket that I like actively dislike. Schwartzman, I'm just disappointed in. I'm like a, I'm like a parent, you know. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Diego, how could you? Uh, so I have Alcaraz coming through there. Um, now I actually. I did not bet on Dan Evans here. Um, I kind of thought maybe that's a one-off. He actually doesn't have a great clay court record, so it's kind of crazy to see him do that well in Monte Carlo. Um, But I had Kopfer coming through that section. Okay. Um, uh, You you had actually said um, in your breakdown, Evans, he has to get through Mute. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, did I miss? Did he lose already? (laughs) I was like, okay. Okay. So yeah, I just think so, Mute will beat him, but there's okay. no there's no rhyme or reason to that. Still have yeah. that dog in the fight at least. So yep. I have I have Cope for getting to meet Alcaraz there. I have Alcaraz winning, uh, meeting PCB. Then I have PCB winning um, okay. to meet Nadal uh, and get through that section. Now the bottom half gets even crazier. <laughs> um, <laughs> not not like crazy crazy, but I actually have Sitsipas mm-hmm. and Rublev both bowing out before most people would expect them to hmm. i have uh i have sinner getting through his quarter beating rublev on the way um not a not a big reason for that i ha- you know it he has to get through batista agu as well on the way there which it might not be a popular pick but um i think sinner might be hungry for this one i he's i don't know i don't know i just I'm just betting on him. It's a 500. Crazy things happen. So that's why I'm going with center there. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, his game is very similar to Rublev's, in my opinion. They both like to step up into the court. Um, I think center has a little bit better of a backhand, actually. Uh, but Rublev has more experience. Um, so having them match up would be fun either way. Yeah, uh, for whoever sure. Whoever comes through there. So, um, But then moving down to the last quarter... I have Sitsipas going out early, and my reason I uh, to Bublik actually. I have Bublik, um, David Achfakina. I didn't want to go with him because he retired in Monte Carlo, so I don't even know if he's going to play here. He did. That's true. Um, so I went with Bublik there, and then I have him beating Demonauer only because Demonauer is kind of going through a slump here recently, so I didn't feel comfortable picking him. But then they would he would meet with Sitsipas more than likely. Um, and I think Sitsipas, he just came off a 1,000 win. I think he's going to be looking a little bit ahead at Madrid in this tournament. So I'm not sure how motivated he's going to be other than to just get the reps in before he plays Madrid in this tournament. Um, so I think, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Bublik's known for his clay court playing, but he is <laughs> a crafty player who can not give you a lot of rhythm and you know for someone who in my opinion might be less than motivated in Sitsipas eh, that could spell some trouble so I I went crazy and I went with Bublik there and then I have Musetti beating Felix just because I really like Musetti on clay and so I have him coming through there meeting Bublik beating Bublik and then I have Sinner Musetti I have Sinner ultimately beating Musetti in that matchup, facing up against Nadal in the final, and then losing to Nadal. So 
that is my bracket. I had a little bit of fun with this one. Um, since we don't have any kind of friendly competition going on, I just decided to, uh, I don't know, mix up the seeds a little bit. But, yeah. uh, you know, Sinner's not a terrible pick. Musetti's not a terrible pick. So, <laughs> No, those picks aren't too outlandish. I mean, not anything outlandish. could happen with those. The bottom half's yeah. definitely a little more radical, but yeah. still um, within reason, actually, I would say. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's good to see, especially in these 500s now, that uh, there's a whole slew of players here, even the non-seeded ones who are, you know, totally realistic to pick now i think that's kind of cool mm-hmm. it's getting much more into an uh, egalitarian view right we have a very even playing field at this point i feel we Definitely. still have roth on clay we still got djokovic in there Federer when he comes back but i i you know when it comes down to sitsipas and rublev and sinners getting in there you know who said he's starting to really really find his game shapovalov we haven't seen really but he's also a very good player you know, they can all beat each other on any given day. So it's, I don't know. I think it makes tennis fun to watch. Definitely. It's getting hard to pick. Yeah. And then looking, so you don't have a bracket for the Belgrade tournament, right? I do not. So I will let you take the reins on that one. Belgrade, Belgrade. So very quick synopsis. I've got Djokovic winning his home tournament. The highlights for me here include Sebastian Korda taking out Karatsev and Fukcevic on the way to losing to Djokovic. Um, I also put a lot of eggs in the Rusevori basket on this one. I think it could be a good chance for him to break through. He'd have to get through the infamous Milman. Um, let's see what happens there, but I think he could do it. Um, and also Dusan Lajevic could be tricky. Great clay court player. Then on the bottom half, I picked uh, Berrettini to make it through, more or less reason-based. I mean, he's going to have Cecchinato, as it's confirmed now, could or should get Krajinovic, and then Rusevori or even seed-wise Milman. So if Berrettini's in top form, for me, he's making the final there, and then likely not beating Djokovic. So that's how I see things panning out in, in Belgrade, but... um. Anything could happen here. I mean, Delbonis is in the mix there. He could take out Lajevic. Popperin is in here. Fuchovic is not as dangerous on clay as is he on hardcourt from my point of view, so it could be a risky pick. But let's see, though. I think Djokovic, unless something goes horribly wrong for him, there's no reason he should lose this tournament. Maybe Karatsev makes it past Korda and is a threat, but I don't know. Yeah. I looking at it here i i agree with your pick in djokovic um and also i think the bottom half is pretty open so i probably would go with berrettini as well so if nothing else this will give us some new discussion points and it'll <laughs> it'll draw me up a little bit in our tennis draw challenge uh yeah <laughs> group standings because now we'll be fair i don't i think i missed the uh, australian open bracket at the time so um, we, we, we weren't here in the Australian, but I think it was Miami. You missed out on Miami. That, that was it. Yeah. Miami. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Australian open was still my, uh, Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> the <laughs> infamous Excel. Yeah. We had that for the Australian and then Rotterdam and it did us well. It didn't do me well in Australia, but it did me well in Rotterdam. So I'll, I'll still give it the benefit. <laughs> I'm still looking for a win. That's not a two fifty. so far. I'm the <laughs> two fifty King and I'm not good at much else in this, uh, cash challenge so 
We need to uh, have Sam stop participating because she, <laughs> if I'm not beating you, she for sure is. So. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> just makes it that much harder. I think she she also did not submit a bracket for either of these. She looked at them but didn't do it yet. No. So just a just a benchmarking point for us. Yeah, tennisdrawchallenge.com uh, though. Big shout out to them because this is great and it's a lot of fun and it's been really easy for us to kind of go through and make all of our picks and keep them in one place and yeah thanks to those folks yeah it's excellent great so great okay um i think that's it all that's left is moldy take does that sound good to you yeah let's go for it let's get into it So as you all know, we like to do a moldy take of the week here on the Changeover podcast where we look back at some of the predictions we made and nominate and crown the one that did not pan out the best for either one of us or some unrelated thing to the podcast. (laughs) 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 Whether it be a tank top or Djokovic's frozen food line. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is a help cereal. <laughs> it's basically Cap'n Crunch. <laughs> oh man! All right. So, um, looking at our nominations here, most of these come out of our Monte Carlo bracket. I think all of these come out of our Monte Carlo brackets. But for myself, we have T Pain or T Paul, Tommy Paul, winning in his first round match after I vehemently. <laughs> opposed <laughs> his uh his uh his his matchup there and in the fact that he would win but he won it by default so i'm a little bit sour at that too because you know not only <sighs> stick the middle finger to me but he, he did it in such a way that was just like okay <laughs> anyway like he even knows who i am <laughs> i'm over here seething and he's just <laughs> living his best life in a boat in Monte Carlo. <laughs> um, and then another nomination for myself is my Schwartzman pick over Rude. Uh, I, as I had mentioned before, I think Rude is such a good clay core player and I was singing his praises and, and then I ended up picking Schwartzman for God knows why. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he lost comfortably to Rude and good for Rude, but bad for my bracket. So <laughs> I had to put that one in there. Uh, ben, I don't know if you want to read your nominations out. Sure. Quick comment. Your T-Pain vengeance was very unfortunate. <laughs> I think he I think he can be counted on for first round wins if he's in good form. He had a decent match against Bautista Good as well. Just got outplayed in the end, but um, he, he was there. I think I don't know. I maintained some hope with him in two fifties. I think there's still a shot for him there. But I mean, for my moldy takes, the big one I have is the Sitsipas win. So I had him losing in the first round, even if the loss to Karatsev is somewhat warranted. It didn't pan out at all, and then it never caught up with me later. So I never, I didn't obviously get any chance to win those points back by Sitsipas dropping out at any point in the tournament. He won the whole thing, did it very <laughs> convincingly, won the whole shebang. So that's a pretty bad pick on my part, and I'm, I'm totally open to it. Um, 
the Monte Carlo bracket in general, I was at 43% correct picks, came in dead last on this one. So just my bracket in general is nominated. <laughs> and um, Samantha also has a guest nomination on this one because due to the Medvedev dropout, she ended up having Londero in the final, <laughs> uh, which is not her fault. No one, none of us knew that Medvedev was going to get dropped out of the tournament. Um, but this ended up being hilarious for her because she went really risky and picked him to go all the way through. And then they replaced him with Londero. So I think what was it? One match. I think they got that we got out of Londero. I'm not even sure. Um, but, um, I think he lost in his first match. He had the bye. Oh yeah, that's right. It didn't even work. So yeah, he lost. To a very <laughs> and I just pulled it out. He lost six, zero, six, three. So, it's he not got, even he got crushed. Yeah, so got crushed. Samantha had a very unfortunate out there, but I don't think it's a legitimate nomination. Other than this, our unfinished business nominations include Dirks Bentley for creating that song, Zverev Tank Top, which made a resurface here and even had a pretty good standing in the Lostico fan because he wore like the seventh grade Under Armour deal <laughs> yeah. underneath the tank top. Yeah, Super comfy, by the way. I don't fault him at all for that. It's totally fine. But um, he lost to GoFan and chucked his racket into a wall like after he lost <laughs> in straights. It was pretty funny. I didn't catch that. And then we got Joko Life and um, what was the drink we were just going to add to this? What? Oh, yeah. Oh. The uh, Rafa Nadal oh, Amstel Light yeah, Seltzer. The Amstel Light Seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Which I would be very interested to try. But uh, yeah, so those oh, well, are the other nominations. No, definitely. I still have not bought a pair of Tommy Hilfiger um, boxer briefs, but uh, seeing half nude Rafa <laughs> in those, his two most no- uh, notable endorsements are um, Tommy Hilfiger boxer briefs and now Amstel Light Seltzer. So <laughs> let me just say this if you were to wear your Novak Djokovic glasses along with a pair of Raffin Doll briefs and then consume <laughs> Joko Life cereal and downed a Raffin Doll Amstelite seltzer before every single match you played, I think you'd be guaranteed to raise your level by 0. 0.3 or <laughs> by 0. 0.3 at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, wouldn't that be a sight to see? That just sounds like <laughs> I don't even know. The, the, the dietary choices, those would definitely be questionable. But oh my gosh, you wouldn't apparel, even make it. That's, that's, you know, that could have something to it. I don't know. Oh, sure. Yeah, it, good airflow, circulation. Get I said like a hawk. <laughs> I said like the the hawk that was Djokovic's face on some kind of eagle t-shirt at the U.S. Open back in the day. <laughs> I gotta get my hands on that shirt. I don't remember that. I remember his dragon clothing. But oh, I don't dragons. The dragons were equally the dragons good. Are so now there was a time when his family wore these shirts that had a like a soaring eagle, but instead of the eagle's face, it was Djokovic's face on it. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have quick, to look that up. Yeah, I don't know if a quick Google search will even warrant that eagle shirt face. That's what you're looking for. Oh, it did bring up something. There's his dad. Uh, nah, okay. I actually inverted this, which is, it's even stranger than you'd think it would be, but it's Djokovic on a shirt, wearing a shirt with an eagle on the shirt. So it's not the face inversion that I had just described. It is rather 
a shirtception with Djokovic on the shirt and then the <laughs> eagle on the shirt of the Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> a shirtception. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting... That, uh... that one is real. That one is all over the place. Yeah. Huh. Oh, okay. I see his dad in here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The first thing that came up for me was an eagle wearing a backwards America hat. And it's a natural light shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Except Djokovic sponsors Natty Light. Seltzer. Natty Light. <laughs> oh, man. You see the Djokovic shirt, the shirtception photos, though? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I see his dad wearing one. Yeah. He must have got that custom made. That's funny. Anyways, forget forget how we even got to that point. But well, uh, <laughs> now we've got a lot of unfinished business. If we had the Amstel Light Seltzer, Rafa endorsed, or the Eagle Djokovic head. Uh, That's right. Shirtception. <laughs> Joker. Dead. Shirt. Eagle. Shirt. Yeah, that's it. One of these days, Joker dead shirt. shirt. (laughs) I know we've mentioned this before, but one of these days, neither of us are going to have a bad pick at all. And we're going to have the daunting task of going through this list of unfinished business and trying to pick which we think deserves a a bully take award. (laughs) Now that it's getting longer and longer. Yeah, I'm waiting for that day. I can't. (laughs) Let's just keep building up this backlog so that hopefully that becomes possible. Because right now, now we're at five three. I'm the first of five five moldy takes. Just hoping five, for three. better days around here. <laughs> Does that include today? Including today, I think it was All four right. three. Now I'm at the five three. Well, we have to announce that. So the moldy take winner, unfortunately, this week. Cue the drum roll. Is Ben? I it's don't know. Me. Are we are we giving this to you for your bracket or for Stephanos? I mean, it's technically it's basically both. That's that's yeah. one problem. So I take it for the Sitsipas pick, though. I, that was I agree. Way out of line. I, I agree. It was not a I. It was not a bad pick because Karatsev is playing out of his mind this year. Um, it just you know, per, per the segment, it did not. Uh, did not come to fruition whatsoever. No. So it panned out horribly. Panned Sam out did horribly. have the same pick, but she had other good picks. And my problem yeah. was that in combination with a bunch of bad picks, just yeah. just wasn't good. Yeah. So well, five five three now. Don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm five coming three. Back. I know it. <laughs> First to make it halfway to ten, so I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> I'm glad Halfway we got some 10? other things on unfinished business. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us again today on the Changeover Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure spending some time with you all. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to give us a comment, rate us five stars, or consider subscribing on your favorite podcast uh, provider. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye bye.
he returns those two books and then he says, buck, 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 